The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome to the Ask Dr. Dream show where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm your host, Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden, top of the morning to you here on Unity Online Radio. And the number to call is... 816-251-3555-816-251-3555. If you have a question about your dreams, if you have a question about, about what the heck does killing Buddha mean, or what happens if you see Buddha in the street, what are you supposed to do, or what's up with all the green, why do we wear green, it's St. Patty's Day if you're listening in real time, and you know, my maiden name is Sullivan, so I am an Irish lass. And I'm excited about today. Today is, you know, it's a big day in the in the Irish world. And for people that think they're honorary or that they say, I wish I was Irish. So today is going to be all over the place. I'm going to be talking to Betsy Chassie, the author of Killing Buddha. She was one of the creators, part of the holy trinity of people that brought to us What the Bleep Do We Know? among many other films. Betsy's amazing, and she's going to talk kind of about the behind the scenes of what brought her to What the Bleep and in her fictionalized story based on a true story. And But first, before we get started, Nancy T., welcome, honey. And did you pull a card for us? Or not a card, but flip the day in the book. In the I, I flipped it open, and I, I started to read it. It was really good. Oh. Would, should I say it now, or you want to do your prayer first? No, do it now, and we'll just incorporate it. Okay, all right. Well, March 17th, as you may have guessed, it's the luck of the Irish. It says, all signs are a go. The universe is giving you the green light and aligning all manner of blessings in your favor. Today, you can kick up your heels and roll around in a field of clover, diving headfirst into the pot of gold awaiting you. The rainbow of your colorful spirit is bright in the sky singing. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. How you sing that? That's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> one in Rome. The oh. world is blessed that you've shown up to greet the day. And the affirmation is the road has risen to meet me. And I feel the wind at my back. Today is truly my lucky day. Or it's truly me lucky day, as the Irish Oh, don't you know. <laughs> don't you know. Oh, don't you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Okay, so 
normally I would do a long prayer, but I want to just kind of do a quickie because I am chomping at the bit to get Betsy out here. So let's just take a breath. Let's know that we are in a unified field of unconditional love and maybe even a field of four-leaf clovers and blessings surrounding us. We're surrounded by the pot of gold. We're on that rainbow bridge. We're where we want to be. There's no place. There's no there. There's no then. There's no who. It's here. It's now. It's us. It's, it's who we are. We are right where we're supposed to be. We've got everything we need. That's the truth. And I think that's why Betsy Chassie is going to be with us today to just rattle our cage, wake us up to remember that we don't need to put any guru on any pedestal. Yes, we can admire people. Yes, we have mirror neurons. We can see the best in people that also brings out the best in us, but we don't have to give them our power. We're always on this path to remember that the four-leaf clovers are right on the green grass where we happen to be now. Amen. Hallelujah. Pass the corned beef and cabbage and the Guinness. Okay. On that note. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> Do we have to? Yeah, I know. Sorry for those vegetarians. It, think of it as the like soy-based corned beef and cabbage. Yeah. Oh, and just real quick, I have to say that um, if you go to Ireland, that's where the Guinness is the best. It's Uh a whole different potato, man. It's a different (laughs) situation. It's it. They say that it doesn't travel well. There's a certain way they have to, you know, package it to (gasps) get it over. So it literally tastes different. I can't drink Guinness in the U.S., (gasps) but in Ireland, it's mother's milk, and I and I drink it every day. I did. Every day I did. Oh yes. my God, I have to Nancy, have one. I wish I Nancy, I taste better in Ireland too, by the way, just so you know. That a girl. That's <laughs> Oh my Good God. Okay, that was Betsy Note Chassie. to self. <laughs> Note to self. Okay, enough about St. Patty. Let's talk about Betsy Chassie. And she is an award-winning filmmaker, best-selling author, change maker, mom, best known as the co-writer, director, and producer of the hit film, What the Bleep Do We Know? Her new book, is Killing Buddha. It comes out in just a few days. She has produced the award-winning Song of the New Earth, Pregnant in America, Radical Dating, and The Empty Womb. She's authored multiple books, including the documentary Filmmaking Masterclass, Tipping Sacred Cows, and What the Bleep Do We Know? Discovering the Endless Possibilities to Altering Your Everyday Reality. So with regards to her new book, Killing Buddha, One of the things that I said in my endorsement is don't read this book if you're a prude or aren't willing to tip your sacred cows in the pursuit of truth with a capital T. This show and her book is not for the faint of heart, but for those who sincerely desire a deeply grounded approach to spiritual growth and evolution. Killing Buddha is a skeptic's guide to higher consciousness that will entertain, make you laugh, cry, and wake the bleep up. At a time when the Western New Age thought movement has fallen into a series of self-help one-night stands and three steps to wealth and happiness, Killing Buddha and Betsy Chassie is a refreshing reminder about what our true spiritual path is and an invitation to walk it. Betsy, bleepin' Chassie, welcome to the Ask Dr. Dream show. Oh, I'm so excited. You're one of my favorite people in the world. And Nancy, you know, that Irish accent, man. That's hot. <laughs> was I on point with that? Oh, she's good. She's good. 
Oh my God. All I know is top of the morning to you. I'm the rest of the day to you. And that's, that's about I can't it. Do, I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> but I thought it was funny. Too, Nancy was reading. Too early and student. I haven't had any wine or Guinness yet. So, you know. Mm, well, the day is young. The day is young and it is St. Patrick's Day. So I think it's five o'clock somewhere even now. Right. Um, okay. Probably. So Nancy, you were reading in the luminous, luminous quote about the field of field of clovers and all that. And um, Betsy, I don't know, it made me think about when you were making the, the little trailer for your tipping sacred cows book, didn't you frolic through a field and then something happened to you? Can you tell us about what happened there? I don't know why I'm thinking of this. God, go right to the pain point for God's sake. Yes. I literally was, uh, well, I was frolicking through a field with cows in it. And my friend um, was dressed in a cow suit and I said I was supposed to tip him because the book was called Tipping Sacred Cows and so I said to him listen don't you know don't like let me tip you so uh, he took that seriously because he was a method actor and I ran up jumped on him and he planted himself so strongly that I ended up uh, flipping over him and breaking my collarbone it was oh, fun time oh my gosh that's literally the pain point I mean you weren't kidding it, right well, no I wasn't I wasn't. Oh I totally, I totally went for it, you know, because I don't do anything half-assed, right? That a girl. No. That's, <laughs> gotta, that's if you're gonna go for it, you just gotta do it, right? That a girl. In life. Oh my god. But it's, it's okay. So let's talk about for those who don't know you. Of course, everybody knows what the bleep. So if you know what the bleep, you know Betsy Chaffee. And there's, I remember the very first time I met you, Betsy. We were, we had a meeting about dreaming heaven and. You mentioned that you were working on Killing Buddha back then. And I was like, why? Why would you name something Killing Buddha? Oh, my God. I know, right? Buddha. But your response was well, awesome. So tell him what you say to that. So basically, there's a famous Zen cone, which says, if you meet the Buddha along the road, kill him or you'll follow him the rest of your life. And I uh, heard that cone. God, this book has been 14 years in the making. And I heard that. And I was like really struggling with this concept of attachment and non-attachment and, and just the whole idea of what does it mean to live a spiritual existence? Like, aren't we supposed to have gurus? Isn't somebody supposed to teach us everything? And then the gurus are also damn concerned. Sorry, I'm, so, I'm sorry. My naughty mouth um, right. are so confusing <laughs> and nobody's like, nobody just tells you anything, right? It's all going to be confusing and circular and metaphors and, so I started to really think about what that meant. And, you know, really what you said in the beginning of the show is like, you know, everything that you need is within you and you're going to take wisdom from other people. But the minute we start making those other gurus or teachers or books or crystals or whatever, mm -hmm. like more valuable and more powerful than we are, we lose our power. And then all of a sudden we're a follower and we're going to follow them for the rest of our life and we'll never find ourselves. Mm. Wow. So we don't have to kill Buddha, but we only only if we've made Buddha the be all end all. Oh, hard to do. Okay, so beyond well, that, and look, I didn't say kill Buddha. Some some you know Buddhist dude said that. I just that's you know, true. Took his work, so <laughs> that's quoting him. Don't blame yeah. me. Blame the Buddhist monk dude who said it. There we go. Okay, <laughs> it's all his fault, Betsy. You're good. You're perfect. Okay. Yeah. So. This book is 
partially autobiographical and of course fictionalized and so funny and so fast and so easy to read. I was telling Nancy in in our little Facebook live before we went before the show about how it feels very kind of sex in the city-esque with a bite to it, like with a like a, a lot edgier sex in the city with a spiritual bite as well. So um what's the what would you say the ratio of what actually happened to you and the fictionalized version is how how true is the story well i think that there's a lot there's the main character is a girl named sarah weld and i would definitely say that i'm clearly sarah weld Um, (laughs) right (laughs) that's the easy part you know there's a lot of my personal story in this book and there's a lot of things that have been changed just because you know i didn't want to have to upset family or friends or in any way, you know, Mm, the thing about writing a memoir is I think everybody should write a memoir. First of all, no matter whether you're going to publish it or not publish it, just Mm -hmm. it's probably one of the most cathartic experiences you can have. And the thing about me fictionalizing it was, you know, it didn't have to be 100% accurate. It just had to express my own personal feelings, emotions, perceptions, And I wanted to do that because, you know, those are all, that's all that they are. You know, people always have different perspectives on one event, right? So I just wanted to be able to write from the heart of what my experience was and to really tell a story that didn't have to make sure that I was protecting anybody or getting something exactly right. The gist of it is there. And then it was really about, I mean, the whole story really does come to the end where I came to in the end, not just in the end of making what the bleep, but just where I finally came to kind of as I was, as I was literally finishing the book last year of where I finally realized my own personal journey has taken me so far. Oh, it's amazing. So for people who don't know this, um, what I think is fascinating and you couldn't, you couldn't write this, you couldn't create this, this it's so perfect is that you were working on, I mean, well, let's actually go back a little further. When you were younger, you were a child star. You were like in all the Barbie commercials. You were like, you were a, <laughs> like was. a big fish in a big pond in that world. Well, so I did so a lot of commercials. I, I have to say I was pretty successful as a child actress. You know, I was, my birth apparently was filmed for a documentary on natural childbirth. So I was <laughs> born with lights, camera, action. Um, but I was a stunt baby because the woman that they had followed for most of the documentary ended up needing a C-section. And I was baby number six for my mom. So they went in and they were like, can we film someone? And my mom was like, whatever, just bring it. This baby's going to pop out in about five minutes. Light them up. Let's go. <laughs> And yeah, so my, I'm number I, six too. I, I can totally feel that. Oh yeah. my God. Wow. Yeah. Pop yeah. out. So I was a stunt baby and it's funny because I've oftentimes felt like an imposter in my own life sometimes. And mm. <laughs> that was just a setup for it in a way, you know, I wasn't even like really myself from the moment I was born. I was already pretending to be another baby. Oh my God. That is so interesting. Wow. Okay. So you're on the set, you're doing all these Barbie commercials. You're all perfect, cute, rosy dimples, the whole thing. And one day you're like, um, excuse me, director, real girls don't play with Barbies like this. Like it's totally, we do something else. And yeah. it was like, want, 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 like you're not supposed to speak, like just be right. cute and shut up. So tell us about where you went with that. 
Well, I think that what happened to me at that point was don't, I kind of, that was a big moment in my life of shutting up and losing my voice and just playing the role and doing the right thing and playing along because when I did that, you know, you made good money, everybody liked you, you were, you know, everybody wanted you, like I got hired a lot because I was always that good girl that just did what everybody said to do. And that set me up for that for a long time in my life, you know, a long time of just not speaking. I know most people that know me now can't imagine a moment when I wouldn't open my mouth and say what I think. That's right. like impossible. But they're right. right? Kelly was like, yeah, that's, I'm, I mean, that might be why I'm so opinionated now. But when right. I was younger, certainly I just, you know, was like, keep your head down, do what they say, don't have an opinion, don't share your opinion, don't even think it because they might think, see you thinking it and you're going to be a bad girl and you'll lose everything. Right. And by everything, I mean, you were supporting your family. It was like the house, the livelihood, the everything. That was a lot riding on your little girl's shoulders. It's so funny. So I'm I'm working on a book and, and it's still behind the scenes, but Nancy knows because she's been one of my like cheerleaders and champions, but there's a whole, it's kind of like, in a way, it's kind of my killing Buddha story. It's kind of how I came like my dark night of the soul that came to that brought me to where I'm at. And I, there's a whole archetype that I'm battling with the, the Barbie doll archetype where I'm trying so hard mm -hmm. to be that. And I figure out how to be that. And it's kind of like the blessing and the curse is like, yay, I'm getting the acceptance and the approval and Oh yeah, but where's my soul? My soul gets right. lost in that. And there, it's right. so pervasive, not just with little girls, not just with coming of age girls, but even with women our age, it's like, it just, it's insidious. It's everywhere. So it's really powerful. Anyway, at some point you end up behind the scenes and you discover that you are an amazing director. And this is all part of what what's in the book, Killing Buddha. This is part of the autobiographical aspect but you find yourself making really good money, making um, a certain type of movie. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I, you know, I started out working on films that were going to Sundance and doing really well, but like there's this perception and like when people say I work in the movie business that like, you know, everyone who works in the movies is rich, but the reality is making small independent films, you don't make very much money. So I often would take jobs working for Playboy or softcore porn or full on porn because they paid really well. And, you know, it's expensive to live in L.A. And so I, I started just working in those that field, that sort of genre a lot. Um, and eventually what starts to happen, anybody who knows when you start to make a lot of money. I was like, you know, we're talking like 21, 22, right in there, you know, and you're starting to make a lot of money and that money becomes really addicting. It's like super easy to go like, yeah, I want to take that job, forget the art film. And so you kind of get lost in that, that sort of cycle. And I spent years just making a name for myself as a really successful line producer and producer of those kinds of films because I did them well. They paid well. I, there was no emotional attachment to it for me. It was just a gig. Um, and the money was great. And I would travel and do all sorts of fun things when I wasn't working. And I just kind of lived this. I had tons of I had like, I still have a shoe addiction. But now I buy my shoes oh. at Target instead of, um, you know, like Prada, um, which is, you know, okay. But um, you're speaking but yeah, Nancy I, T's language, yeah. by the way. She's I'm she's just over like here right salivating. There, right? <laughs> there is this, like 
there is a thing about shoes that's like yeah. just super juicy and yummy. I don't know what it is. Like I just love a good shoe. Um, Me too. But you know, so I bought a lot of shoes, which was great. Like I just a, a small tip for like anybody, especially women who were like you know sort of like feast or famine going, you know, have money and then don't have money. Shoes are a great investment because when I went broke before I made <laughs> What's the Bleep, I sold a lot of my shoes and I lived off that stuff for like six months. So, you know, I mean, look, it wasn't, I could have bought a, a house. I could have, but you know, I bought shoes. <laughs> There's no business like shoe business. I know. Listen, okay. We gotta, we gotta survive. And it's, it's like, you know, transactional reality we live in. So, you know, it's an investment. I think I would have gotten more into shoes if I had smaller feet. You two have like cute, petite little feet. I'm like size 10. I was size 10 from the very get go. So I've always been like, don't look at my feet. You guys are like, look Kelly, at my you're cute little like size gorgeous five gorgeous feet. Amazon goddess. So you would have, you you could totally rock some shoes. We should go oh, shoe shopping. You. All right, we, we went down a little a little divergence here on um, shoes. So let's go back. So you're so you're <laughs> okay. in the shoe world. You're making money. You're looking good. You've got all this stuff, and you're making these films that just are kind of like whatever, just to pay the bills and and make you rich. And then and then what happens? So I ended up working for a company as their senior VP of production. And at that point, the films got slightly better. They were, you know, like this was like back in the day when like Cinemax got super popular and the, and the cable channels were just starting to come online. And um, so uh, I was making films that were like Cinemax late night movies, you know, and stuff like that. And I started working mm-hmm. with this company and I had this, I never went to college, which is a big theme in the book. Like we all have a, like I hope people especially women read the book, there's a lot of, I think, relatable themes about self-worth and our value. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. for me, a big thing was that I never went to college um, because what happened is that my parents spent all my money um, and never saved money for me to go to college. So I couldn't go to college. And it was always like a thing and it was always a chip on my shoulder. And so mm-hmm. I worked really hard and I'm like, I'm just going to become the best at this. And then I'm going to run a studio one day, even though I never went to college. And so that became mm-hmm. like this super big dream of mine was to, you know, to prove everybody wrong. Right. And so I got headhunted by a large studio to come and be their director of production, um, which yeah. is like, you know, three layers down from maybe, you know, VP or stuff like that of production. And I go to the final interview, like I get the job, basically. They're like, they're, they give me this, like, I go into this like ginormously tall building and I'm afraid of heights, right? So you ever ride mm-hmm. in those elevators that go up to like the 30th oh, floor, yeah. like your stomach, it's like riding a roller coaster for me. So I go up and they show me this office that I'm going to be in and two of the walls are like floor to ceiling windows. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so I'm sitting in there going like, oh my God, I'm going to sit in this office up in the clouds like all day long. And as I was riding down the elevator, I realized that what I loved about making movies was, was the making of the movie, like the being mm-hmm. on the set, the, the, the energy there. And what I was doing was get, literally and figuratively getting farther and farther and farther away mm-hmm. from the creation of movies and more into the paper pushing of movies. And oh. as I was riding down the elevator, I got nauseous and like literally practically vomited on my mouth. 
Mm-hmm. And I get into my car. And you got to realize, like, I was not a spiritual person. Like, I, I didn't, like, as far as I was concerned, like, what mattered to me most was shoes and my little BMW. Screw everything else, right? And mm-hmm. I, so I had no, like, sense of intuition or, like, anything, you know. So I, I walk to my car. Remember when you used to have those brick phones? Remember the old brick yes. cellular phones? <laughs> like, the yeah. early cell phones. So I to- I totally had one of those and I get in my car and I'm driving home and this voice, I just hear like, you can't do this. This is not, you have to quit everything. You, this is, you've gotten, you've completely walked off your path. You can't, you're, you have to quit. So I called the studio and said, I'm not taking the job. And then I called the job that I had and quit. And I just had no idea what, what I was going to do with my life. And I went home and the boyfriend that I had been seeing, like, thought I was insane. My agent thought I, I mean, everybody thought that I had, like, either completely lost, I was, like, either on, like, a crack binge and lost my mind or, like, had found God. Because there's no reason, like, it makes no sense for me to, like, walk away from a $250,000 gig. And, like, it just was insanity. And I sat up for, like, a weekend and I was, like, what am I going to do with my life? And I loved my dog. I had this dog. His name is Zach. He's the longest lasting man in my life. He's passed now, but at the time he was the longest lasting man in my life. And I looked at him and I, there's, there was this baked dog bakery around the corner from my house. And I took him to the dog bakery and I just decided that I was going to make gourmet dog treats out of my kitchen. I'd never made a dog <laughs> treat in my life, but I was like, sure, oh, that's wow. what I'm going to do with my life. And people literally thought like my friends and everybody just thought that I had lost my mind. Mm. And that's what I did. I started a gourmet dog treat out of my kitchen. Oh my God. Okay. So you how did that go? Did you, did people buy it? Was it good? Yeah. Did dogs I got like it, it? In like 400 stores around the United States. It oh was called gosh. Zach's Yummy Bones. And it did really well. I mean, I had a great entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit. I just had yeah. to like get too close to success and blow up everything syndrome. We all do that. Like a lot of people do that. Like you get super close <laughs> to being really successful and then you just go, Oh my God. And you blow it all up. Right. So I had done that with my film career and then I got into 400 stores with my dog food company. And then I found out that the boyfriend that I had been with, see, I thought we were going to get married. We were going to, I was going to be like the dog treat queen of the universe. I was going to like, you know, be like miss whatever, Mrs. Fe- Mr. Field. What is it? Mrs. Fields only for dogs. Yeah, so yeah. You know, two but we're going to go to a quick break and we're going to hear the rest of what happens here. This is the behind the scenes of what the bleep it's all It's fictionalized, but based on a true story in Betsy Chassie's latest book, Killing Buddha. Go to BetsyChassie.net. We're going to be right back after just a couple of minutes and find out about how this amazing woman who kind of got lost on the Hollywood path, went, was working on porn, ended up making the most spiritual movie that was a breakthrough, complete game changer in the spiritual world. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on the Ask Dr. Dream Show on Unity Online Radio. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Dream interpretation and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Dream show. I'm Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden, top of the morning to you, whatever time of the day it is you're listening to the show. It's St. Patty's Day. And oh, I have a really bad Irish accent. Nancy is way better. Anyway, the number to call if you have a question about dreams or anything having to do with killing Buddha or putting people on a pedestal and getting your power back. Betsy Chassie's new book is Killing Buddha. If The number to call is 816-251-3555. couple of quick shout outs. I am, I've lit this amazing candle uh, that I was sent by Fire Doll Studios. It is amazing, made with essential oils. It smells so good. She makes these, like, she puts these little succulents, it melts and it's just like, Oh my God, I can't even tell you. My house smells so good. And I'm so grateful. Fire Doll Studios. You can find her on Facebook or Etsy. So I highly recommend them. And Nancy T, we're going to have to get you one of these babies because you're just yeah, I need one. Sounds like it's a goodie. Yeah. Oh, it's from heaven. And I want everyone to put on their calendar April 8th from 12 to 3 p.m. Pacific time. That would be three to six Eastern time. That's going to be the launch day of luminous humanness. I have a whole bunch of wonderful gifts planned. Betsy Chastity is going to be one of the luminaries. Nancy is going to be one of the luminaries with me. I'm going to be interviewing and having um, amazing conversations with brilliant trailblazers, healers, empaths, just brilliant people about how to keep your light bright during dark times, how to sustain your bright light during ordinary times and how to grow your light all the time. So that's happening April 8th from 3 to 6 p.m., a ton of free content. I'm creating this luminous library and the luminous lottery based on if you if you want to buy a book or two or three, there's going to be all kinds of wonderful goodies. So set that day aside for the Luminous Humanist launch. And speaking of launches, Betsy Chassie's newest book, Killing Buddha, it launches in just a few days, and she has a wonderful gift for you at BetsyChassie.net. If you sign up for her newsletter, you get a digital copy free of her previous book, Tipping Sacred Cows, that was kind of the, in some way, the predecessor that was leading up to this. It's kind of, there's some through lines in it, but um, but it's all about getting her book on. Betsy, what's the exact day of your launch? It's March 23rd. March 23rd, March 23rd. So you can, can people pre-order or would you rather have them wait and hold, hold, hold it? Okay. So you can get it now, go to Amazon and get, do it now, do do it whenever I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not picky. Okay. (laughs) Just get it. If you think about it, actually tipping, if I have at least three books I'm going to do, and you know, I did the way that um, they did Star Wars. Like I wrote the middle book first. Right. So tipping is sacred cows is kind of the middle book. It, what it's kind of what happened after I made what the bleep, and then mm-hmm. killing Buddha is kind of what happened before and up to making what the bleep, and then my right. next book, which will hopefully come out next year or the year after, is called Fifty Shades of WTF. 
<laughs> we all need to read that. That's you know, so great. Focusing, because I, I turned fifty. I turned fifty in twenty twenty. So that's all about you know the, that that. And it's that, all about the WTF. It's all yeah, about that. Right? It's all about that. Right. Okay. So before before the break, and we will take a dream. I promise we will get to a dream. But I want to I want us to hear a little bit more about how you went from how you landed on what the bleep and and what the parallels okay. are between um, killing Buddha and the story of this motley crew of filmmakers kind of coming together and making this movie and, and what actually happened. Well, so basically what happened is my boyfriend was cheating on me. My life completely fell apart because that's what I guess every time, like for me, it's every decade, like every decade, it seems my life blows up and I have to reincarnate as something new. So, um, <laughs> My boyfriend was cheating on me. There was going to be no, you know, dog queen, dog treat queen happening. Um, and right around that time, I decided to learn how to meditate. And my agent took me to a yoga class to, to try to teach me how to be spiritual, which is, you know, just ridiculous. And I had to go home and make this list. The yoga teacher said, make a list of everything that you wanted in life. And so I went home and I made a list and I said, I want to get out of debt. I want to make a movie that has an impact on the world. I want to um, move out of Los Angeles and I want to find the love of my life. And so I, you know, I made this list and I lit the candle, you know, the whole thing that you're supposed to do. And like within 24 hours, I had gotten calls about two movies. One was a softcore porn thing about two guys and a girl stranded on an island. And that was going to be in Puerto Rico or Puerto Vallarta. I can't remember now. Um, and that was like, wow, there's out of L.A., out of debt. You know, I'm probably not going to make a movie that's impacting humanity, but you know, whatever. I'm not picky. And then what? And then Mark came to me with a movie called Sacred Science. Mark Vicente. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, it was called Sacred Science. It was a completely different movie than what the bleep do we know? Um, and for some reason, I decided out of like completely out of character and for no logical reason. Other than, I guess, Bob, I call the universe Bob. Like everybody, people are like, can't call it God. And the people that don't want to call it <laughs> God call it the universe. So I just call it Bob. Bob basically <laughs> said to me, take, take this movie that makes no sense to you, that you know nothing about. I couldn't even spell quantum physics. Like I didn't even know what the <laughs> hell that was, right? And so I took this movie called Sacred Science. And the, the book at that point, like the characters and all those people, like I, there's no character of Will, there's no character of Mark. Like that, that whole journey is is fictional. It's like all that, part, right? But the the experience was the same. Like you know, here I am interviewing luminaries and spiritual teachers and guides and scientists and physicists, no less. And like mm -hmm. I, you know, didn't even know like what the heck any of it meant which is how the name of the movie came about. Cause I used to say all the time, what the bleep do I know? It was sort of a joke <laughs> amongst the three of us, me, Mark and Will. And so we decided just to name the movie. What the bleep do we know? And, but oh. it, you know, and then a little bit of what happened in the aftermath, which is that this, like the killing Buddha part came from, because I had no, like, I didn't have anything any information, any knowledge, any wisdom, I just got thrown into like calling, you know, physicists and trying to explain to them why they should be in our movie. I really did put all these people and all these concepts and all these ideas on a pedestal 
that I just wasn't smart enough to understand. So it goes back to like why I didn't go to college. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I can't possibly understand this stuff. And so I put it all on a pedestal as something that I had to strive to learn so that I could be a good person. Like Mm. until I understood what all these things meant and really could explain them and, and live them perfectly and had the right crystal and shoved it up my booty in the right way, whatever I was supposed to be doing, I had to figure it out. And only when I figured it out, then I would be spiritual. Then I would have be a good person. And so the idea, the concept in the book is really about the journey of Sarah realizing at some point towards the end and how she gets there, hopefully you think it's fun and entertaining and hilarious. There's, there's really funny moments about firewalking and tequila. And, and there's a lot of store, a lot of relatable things about, you know, addiction and, and just stuff that we go through as humans. But the, you know, really the end of the book is realizing that, that all of that stuff is cool and great and interesting and, and great knowledge, but it's, I don't need it or have to do anything special to be a spiritual person. That's who I am. And so that's kind of the theme of the book. Right. It's brilliant. And so there is for all the hilarity and all of the kind of the goofball stuff and all of the, the WTFs and all of that, there is a very profound spiritual message. And I love the, the very clever way that you deliver it. So there is, it's not just we're making fun of the spiritual mind, body, spirit, new age world. There is that, but it's kind of like it, in the end, here's the gold that you can really take away. And I think I the just, whole- Can I say something about that? Because you know, I don't know if anybody, if you guys have seen like a lot of movies and books will make fun of the spiritual journey. And you can tell when you watch them that it's been made by somebody who's never really been in it, right? Mm -hmm. Who hasn't, like, you know, been blindfolded for days looking for, you know, doing the crazy rituals and things that people do in the the name of enlightenment, right? Um, Right. And the difference, I think, and I hope the difference between sort of those movies like Wanderlust and some of those other films is that I, I, I don't make fun of spirituality. What I do is... Sarah, it, I make fun of Sarah and her experience in it. And, and, and from the perspective of what happens when new people step into this pathway and you go to these places, I mean, there's, there's like every kind of thing that you could think of in there. There's, you know, some, a character kind of like Tony Robbins or like place kind of like Esalen. There's all, I sort of hit all the sort of spiritual hotspots and mm-hmm. ex- experience it from this sort of new new perspective of somebody who just wants to be accepted as being spiritual and wonderful, who just wants to have like, you know, we get promised when you start the spiritual path, it's always like, Hey, if you do this, you're going to be abundant and wealthy and sexy and have everything you want. All you have to do is this. And so you're just trying to do it right. And so the humor really comes from Sarah just trying to do it right so that she can have the carrot that she's been promised. And the end really comes down to, Oh, there is no doing it right. None of this, none of that really matters, but it all matters, but it doesn't, if that makes sense. You know, this might seem completely strange, but years ago when, like, when the Borat movies came out, I remember I had this thought in the middle of the night after watching um, one of the Sasha Baron Cohen, I don't remember which one it was, it was probably Borat. In the middle of the night, I had a dream that he was Jesus. And I told Dana about it and it was like, 
why, why, why would I connect him with Jesus? And I thought, because he is poking at all of these sacred beliefs, like in, in some way, his whole comedy is about what do people hold as sacred, not necessarily spiritual truths, although he doesn't leave Mm -hmm. those out, but in the poking at them, you realize how even the most spiritual truth that we can hold on to is a prison because really right. what we're, I think the, the end game is freedom and the end game is realizing yeah. that as flawed as we are, we are whole and we're connected with God mm-hmm. and you don't need anything fancy, any special ceremony to be able to be given that you don't have to climb a pyramid, even though we take people to the pyramids, but I also tell people you can get everything that's at the top of that pyramid right from your bedroom or your living room, but it's right. So anyway, there's something in, I feel like you're sort of the female Borat in a way without dressing up and putting on mustaches. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> there's an image you. for you. <laughs> there you but there's something about that that I think is very refreshing so that in the end, we are left with what gives us peace and freedom. So let's, um, I want to again, remind people to go to your website, betsychassie.net, get her free book. Um, her previous book, Tipping Sacred Cows, and also get her new book, um, Killing Buddha. And let's talk to Denise, because she's been very patient, hanging with us. Denise, oh my Lord, how are you doing? What the bleep? Are you okay, Denise? Do you have a dream for us? Oh, oh yeah, I have a dream, but I have a quick question for the guest. Um, First of all, um, what's her name? My attention span is like like a child these days. It lasts like two seconds. Chassie. (laughs) Betsy Chassie, you spell it, by the way, Betsy, B-E-T-S-Y-C-H-A-S-S-E dot net. Okay. Just had to put that up. Okay, go. Let me turn my volume up real quick. Okay, I have a quick question for her. Um, the first one, I have a comment. The first one, I, I totally agree with the comment that she made, I don't know, five minutes ago, whatever. I like her philosophy on the Buddha but the crystals, I forgot how she said it. I can't, I'm going to try to paraphrase. I, this is the way I interpret it, that you can believe in the Buddha, but and you can believe in crystals, you can believe in horoscope, but it's kind of like what's within that really counts. And unless you believe in self, the rest of those things aren't even going to work. Did I say that right? Yeah, pretty we- much. I mean, everything works if, if you believe it. If, you, if, if I pick up a pile of dog poo and decide that that is the meaning of life and it's going to bring me wealth and riches. And I believe it with every ounce of my being, that pile of dog poo is my, is my, it, it's my, it's my, you know, road. Gotcha. so it's really, I think people tend to, and I, I mean, I know that everything has energy and frequency and value and yes, uh-huh. yes, yes, mm-hmm. all that's true. But the truth is human brain, whatever we put meaning, we're a meaning attaching machine. So whatever we put meaning to, that's what it's going to mean, whether it's a pile of dog poo or a rose quartz crystal. It'll be the same because that's what we make it. So what do you – I'd rather say I love this crystal, beautiful crystal, and I want to do my ritual around it because it brings me energetically into the right spot. But the power isn't on the crystal. The power is within me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I had another quick question for her, but I got to go to my, you got to go to my dream. I, you know, I get so <laughs> conscious of people maybe standing in line. I got to get over that sometime this year. Okay. Um, <laughs> my dreams are just being more image. I know my dreams, 
my mother did this when she was carrying me. She said she was just kind of like, you know, crying all the time and so forth and so on. And now, here, here's the end result of a pregnant woman that cried all the time. Give me a break. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I love well, that's you, what somebody told me. Somebody said it happens in the embryo, so I'm going to ride with that. At least I got an excuse for being like this. Okay. My dreams these days are more imagery. So it's, it's so short because it really has no beginning or no end or whatever. I'm looking out my window of my house, uh, my house. It wasn't, it was the real house. And I looked across the street to the left, the house on the left, and it was these two trees. I, I even looked it up. I think it might have been a um, pine. Aspen, I don't know. I'm not in the trees. I'm a city girl. Anyway, I have it here in my notes somewhere, but I'm not going to look for that. It was two trees. They were right by the side of her house. Of course, they were very, very green. They were pine, or like a pine, because it didn't have leaves. And they both were shaped like the way a Christmas tree is. So maybe y'all have more knowledge of trees than I do. But it was two trees, and they were out there. They'd never been there before. They're not there today. They won't be there tomorrow because they don't exist. But in the dream, there was two trees out there that were shaped like Christmas trees. And I say that more that kind of, you know, fuller to the bottom, more pointed to the top. I looked up trees Mm. that day, and I think it was, I, don't, I guess it was pine. I don't know. The only reason I'm calling about that is because you remember last week I had the dream that the green grass and half of mm-hmm. it was cut. And then I got the lawnmower and said, oh, this grass would look so much better if the whole yard was cut. So there's a lot of greenery going on here. That's the end of the dream. Oh, my God. Okay, well, just for the sake of time, I'm going to just throw down a quick thought. And, ooh, Betsy, are you still with us? Ooh, I think we lost Betsy. Maybe she'll come back. Did we? Okay. Yeah, but that's okay. She's got she's got to deal with car stuff, but she may be joining us back. But I think it's kind of the perfect dream to talk about because today's St. Patrick's Day. And it's the I day know. that we're wearing green and where we realize that the grass is greener on our side. And and green is symbolic. I, I'm curious about your, about what, well, first tell me in a in like three words, what does green mean to you? Um, uh, first thing comes to my mind is it's just refreshing. It's nature. Yeah. It kind of calls you. It's calming. When oh. you walk in the dog and you see the trees, look how big they are. Look how green. Look how yeah. So I would say refreshing, mm-hmm. uh, relaxing. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, but because um, I'm not that kind of person, but if we all like money. I kind of constitute a little mm-hmm. bit of, of money with that since money is green. Oh wow! And then I would just so refreshing, calming. And, um, and, and find and money. And there's something about the, um, like the, the fact that there's two of them, double that. And, and I also have to add in Christmas. They're kind of Christmas trees to me. That's gotten a whole other, it brings in a whole other sleigh ride of, of, of symbology. There's, it's like, to me, this feels like a very fortuitous dream. It's right out the window I can see it. It's like in my purview, all of the things that this represents. This is very aspirational. And I would also just add the piece about everything and everyone in the dream being an aspect of self. So mm. these these trees, and to, anytime there's two, I think of relationships, harmony, balance in the romantic area. So to me, it feels grounding and rooted and, and also very lush, like a relationship and- that brings me calm. And if you remember real quickly last week about the dream with the house, the address was two. 
And it's a real Ooh. address. That that house exists today. It was a two R line drive. And remember right. with the grass that house Nancy it T. was two again. Oh, I'm That's just so great. I'm just so Nancy T. I'm just, Throw I, down, baby. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's see what I've got here. <laughs> I you know, I love the fact that it's green because you've been doing a green theme. But it because you're sitting from your perspective. It just tells me that in your life, if it were my dream, that there's just beauty. All you have to do is is look through. And mm. you're not looking through a wall. You're not looking through a door. Mm. You're looking through a window. So it's just, it's so there. It's so close to you that you can almost touch it. And it's just a matter of you mm. deciding, will I go over across that street? And right away, I mm. thought of that song, you know, grab your coat, take your hat, leave your worries on the doorstep. Just try to direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. So just take yourself <laughs> over there. Sing that. <laughs> One Nancy, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> Grab your coat and get your hat. Leave your worries on the doorstep. Just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. That's it. <laughs> it's not good, oh but that's what came to mind. And I thought, you know, it's like telling you, hey, there's a, there's a good side of the street. Everything's alive. Everything's good, and it's right within my reach. Oh my! And God. I will say this: my phone, just two past relationships that have been calling, and 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 one said, "Okay, look, I want to see if we can do this again," but it's a big fat no. And the other one is somebody that I've always had something in, but he's been kind of weird. But lately, he's been calling and so forth. So in this time frame, the phone is ringing. Um, it's nothing new. It's something old. But they claim they have gotten better at whatever was bad. They done changed it and made it good. Too bad I don't play um, poker, and too bad I don't gamble. I don't know if I can roll those dice. Not with, not with one of them. The other one I'm always <laughs> Ooh, You're very was... clear on that, aren't you? <laughs> well, even though Crystal. Betsy Chassie isn't on the – her, her headphones died, so she can't, she can't okay. be here. But I think it's an interesting parallel because in her story, she talks about how when she's at this moment of change, these two opportunities come her way when she sets Ooh. the intention. And one of them rings true from the past – and it's yeah. and it makes her nauseous. It's like, and she decides not to go with it. She goes mm. with the one that is not not necessarily the sure bet, not necessarily what what you know is gonna is is what she what's tried and true. So I would say there's some there's no accident that Betsy just was talking about that. So I, maybe the other one yep. is worth pursuing, maybe taking a retreat with, or I don't know giving yourself a tree eat. I don't know. And the idea that maybe you've changed in all this time. So while, while it's, Ooh. there's that, that question about whether or not they have, maybe you have, and maybe Ooh. what you need or how you relate to them will change because of the growth, the growth. Hello trees. Hello. You both, you both have Awesome. Y'all are just all that. Y'all are all that in a bag of damn chips. And on top of that barbecue, y'all aren't even playing chips. Y'all are barbecue chips. Nice. <laughs> well, I would take that as a compliment. Thank you so much. I to be a plain chip. I know. Oh, my God. Well, Denise, thank you so much for joining us. And I so appreciate your dreams. And I love that it's so great when we get to hear somebody's dreams over time because we start to see through lines. We start yeah. to see patterns and themes. It's so yeah. Juicy and juicy and powerful. So thank you, especially yes. on St. Patrick's Day to have such a green dream. Thank you, honey. <laughs> green dream. You're green welcome, dream. Thank you. All right. Thank we'll you. Check in with thank you, you next Nancy. week. Okay. okay. So 
we I just want everyone to check out Betsy Chastity's website, BetsyChastity.com. Get your copy of oh, .net. .net. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> that's all right, man. I, that's so easy to do. It's but so we easy. want everyone going there. And you know, I just signed up for her uh, Tipping Sacred Cows book, and bam! I mean, right away got that email. So, folks, you don't have to wait for a second. Isn't that nice? That instant gratification on a day like St. Patty's Day that's when so we're all looking for beer and a, and a green cupcake if we could find one. Oh, <laughs> just one. Oh makes me remember Angela's ashes the whole scene where Frank McCourt talks about if I come to America I'll get my own egg I'll eat my own egg and I won't have to share it with anyone oh <laughs> that sounds sad but I hope he got it <laughs> I think well he, he did more than that but yeah <laughs> those are my people my wee people they oh are my. your wee people that's so good I know so St. Patty's Day it's so special and do you know, I mean, even as an Irish person, I'm like, I have to look up, what is St. Patrick's Day about? It's St. Patrick, it was the was the patron saint of Ireland. And th this is his, the, his day, his death day, actually. And it's been a religious holiday celebrated over a thousand years. And he brought Christianity to, to Ireland. And so why do we celebrate with corned beef and cabbage? I don't know. We'll but find that out next year. We'll, <laughs> we might find that out next year. But Nancy T, any last words of, of aha moments from Betsy Chassie? Oh my gosh. You know, I just love her approach to things. The whole idea of let's not get too attached to that person and that thing they taught us. Let's let it wash out all over us, do the backstroke through it, but make it our own. So it's our own power we come into. Exactly. I'm with her and the good shoes. And the good shoes. And you know what? Like the shoes and the crystals and the books and the gurus, I think it's about having them, but not, not letting them have, have you. <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl. You know, it wouldn't be a day without that. We exactly. got to know. Exactly. We're not going to be just had by any old thing. Oh, <laughs> not even close. Oh my God. Okay, so everyone save the date. April 8th is going to be the yeah. Luminous Humanness launch. And there's going to be lots and lots and lots of free goodies for you on that day when you get your Luminous Humanness book. But you can just join me on my Facebook page, which is Kelly Sullivan Walden Dreams. So go and sign up for that so that you'll be there and already squared in there for when the, when the party happens. So until we meet next week, don't take your dreams lying down. May they all be so very sweet. And happy St. Patty's Day. Wear something green. Sweet dreams. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark, 
on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.